0: Today I'm on with a toilet paper brand and I get to talk to their chief of PP. Yep, had to do that. Plus he gave me the green light too. In fact, he was going to say it himself, but I figured I'd start the show with that. And so we'll continue now on this authentic avenue. Who gives a crap? That's not a question. That's the name of the company. This is a toilet paper brand helping to build toilets. You don't hear that every day. And you also don't hear this role, the chief of product and purpose. I'm on with Danny Alexander, who also co-founded the brand, to talk a little bit more about why they exist, what the point of becoming a flashy toilet paper brand was all about, and also about purpose, of course. Now, that's a big word. I hear it a lot on this show, and I sometimes turn a skeptical eye to it. But Danny tells me his story and why it is necessary and why it should be the way forward for any brand worth a damn. Of course, we also tackle advice and the like around that big A word authenticity. But I was glad to feature this story today, not only because of the genuine problem that they solve outside of its product, but also because of the wordplay in the name. And it was just a nice, loose conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. So without further ado, I'll step back, let you sit back and listen in as I get real with Who Gives a Crap and Danny Alexander. Danny, good to have you. How you doing?
1: Hey, great to be here. I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself?
0: Well, I'm here in the DC area. So, as we were just talking about and as listeners who will know what's been going on around here, everything is fine. Nothing is going on. Return to your business. Um, yeah, it's been a little uh it's been a little wild, but we we press on. We press on. As do you. I want to learn about who gives a crap, which by the way, I I've been a fan of getting to talk to folks who use great wordplay in the buildup of their business, whether it's a tagline or the name of the business itself, that's what you've got. What uh, what gave you this thought? Can you tell me a little bit about the story where it all began, how it got here, and then we'll go from there?
1: Yeah, for sure. I um, I, I wish I could say it was my idea, but uh, ultimately it was my co-founder Simon's idea. Uh, the, the basic uh, observation that he had, he, he had run a number of other businesses all trying to uh, make it a positive impact on the world. But All of them, he had a hard time scaling. He ran a nonprofit search engine and a nonprofit bar, um, neither of which was really scaling. And so he was looking around for a more scalable um, uh, product or business idea where he could essentially create a positive impact and bring it to massive scale. And so as he was looking around his house and around um, the stores, he walked into the bathroom one day, saw a roll of toilet paper and said, that's it who gives a crap? We'll make toilet paper. It'll be environmentally friendly and we'll donate half of our profits to help build toilets around the world. Um, and so that was the epiphany essentially that led to who gives a crap. And um, I ended up meeting Simon a few months later. He had pitched this business plan um, to uh, essentially a, a, an incubator for social business ideas. I was there teaching how to design uh, and bring product ideas to life. And I met Simon and our third co-founder, Jehan, there. And we decided this is too good to be true. Let's do it. Um, and we jumped in and, and, uh, haven't looked back since.
0: So is this kind of like the story where a student has a brilliant idea, they talk about it in a class and the teacher is so enthralled by it that sort of like off hours comes to the student and says, Hey, by the way, I'll, I'll help you out. Let's, let's get in on this because it's just like, that seems like, I feel like I've seen that in a movie somewhere, but is it, does that, is that a way of getting it down to the five second story pretty much?
1: Something like that. Although I would say that Simon and and Jehan already had a a really great start by the time I joined. So they had already sketched out the business plan and had really really thought through a lot of the fundamental things that make who gives a crap what it is. Uh, Where I joined essentially was, uh, you know, taking it from a business plan to a product that we could start shipping to customers. And so uh, figuring out exactly how to make this idea come to life and what was going to set it apart from the competition was where, where I joined. So, um, you know, I hate to say that I was the teacher and they were the student because ultimately it was really, um, it was really a lot of hard work that they did before I joined that made it successful.
0: But you've got the, you know background to make this product what it is, and you took that to what anybody could see now if they go to. Uh, by the way, who gives a crap org is where you can find this stuff. Everyone, not just the product, but also the reason. And um, it's pretty flashy. Like if I, uh, so let me let me start. Let's start there. Let's start with the product itself. You've just said you came in to build that. So so let's talk about it. Um, I will begin by saying I don't look at a category like toilet paper and say, wow, they're innovating. So you've managed to do that. And uh, I'm guessing it has to do in part with the design because frankly, no other toilet paper really looks like this. What was the importance of creating something so eye-popping in an otherwise, let's be frank, uh, mundane category from a looks perspective?
1: Yeah, you know, it was ultimately kind of the, the, the realization that you just shared, which is that it's such a boring category, we needed to do something. Um, so we actually got started with a crowdfunding campaign we um you know with a with a pretty audacious business model, which is donating half of our profits to charity, we realized pretty early on that it would be a a rather challenging route to to grow this business in the traditional venture capital backed uh, way. and so we decided to raise fifty thousand dollars to for our first production run, and in the planning to do that, we realized this is the most boring product that has ever been made. We're making toilet paper, like this is, it's functional, it's boring, it's white and bland. How can we get attention and make people notice this campaign? And so from the beginning, we realized we needed to do everything we could to make this product stand out. So we needed to make it as convenient as possible, as uh, environmentally friendly as possible, as beautiful as possible, um, have the brand name and the copywriting be as funny and quirky as possible. And of course, our crowdfunding campaign needed a, a, an extra little kick. And so uh, we actually somehow miraculously convinced Simon, um, my co-founder and our CEO, to sit on a toilet on a live stream until we raised our first $50,000. And so he actually sat on a live stream for 50, 50 hours, or almost 51 hours. Um, until we raised that first $50,000. And so, uh, you know, from the beginning, we realized we needed to, to think differently and really do things that would delight our customers and really set us apart from the crowd. I, I think as we fast forward to now, which is, um, you know, about eight years after that original crowdfunding campaign, what we've realized is that the the brands that we admire in the environmental space um, are really trying to appeal to a mass audience. I think we're we're past the point where we can, make products or or make changes just with a niche sort of hippie audience ultimately if we're going to make change at scale we really need everyone to be involved and so we need people who are not naturally willing to make compromises who, who don't want to pay more for environmentally friendly products and who don't want to sacrifice quality and so now essentially our goal is to make a product that is um not just a really good environmentally friendly product but just a damn good product all around that happens to be the most environmentally friendly product. And so we put a lot of effort into the packaging design, the copywriting, the delivery experience, our pricing to make sure that it's as good or better than all of the competition on pretty much every every point that our customers care about.
0: That's a unique way to raise the first money that I've ever heard, actually. Probably the <laughs> most unique way. But I understand why you got to do it, right? You, you You have to stand out. I mean, who... Again, I think about this category and I'm like, who in the hell? Because first of all, you have to figure out, all right, to get $50,000 for the production run. And frankly, it's it's toilet paper. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be really great toilet paper, but it's toilet paper. How do you excite people about that? How do you stand out? Well, obviously, that's the way that you do it. And then, of course, now you can't just sit on a toilet every time you need some revenue. You need something bigger. And uh, let's talk about that then a little bit too. Obviously, th- th- this podcast goes into this word authenticity a lot. I talk to a lot of businesses about it in a lot of different ways. So for you, I'm going to guess that where this leads is 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 the real sort of authentic angle, which is, all right, right. We're sure, we're building a toilet paper company, but it is because of what we are doing that is the reason we're here. So I'm guessing it has a lot to do with the impact and the actual problem that you solve. And um, it's not too often that I see a toilet paper company that actually builds toilets rather than break them down, frankly. Well, why don't you talk <laughs> to me a little bit about like how you look at that a word, then, and uh, is it? It's in the impact, right? I mean, how how is it in the impact?
1: Yeah, I mean, from the beginning, I, I mean, the very origin of the business was essentially trying to solve pretty big problems in the world. And so, um, the the two problems that Simon Jehan and I set out to solve in the early days, uh, the first one was was an environmental one, um, and like I mentioned at the time, and and even now, unfortunately, so many so many of the brands offering more environmentally friendly product offerings. Are really just targeting a niche, uh, a niche environmental audience, and what we realized is that the way that they, th- these products were being marketed was all backwards. It was, it was really, you know, the environmental story was first, and then you were expecting customers to make big trade-offs to to make the shift. I think from the beginning we realized that we wanted to be the most environmentally friendly product, but we also wanted to be the best product, and so that's our theory of change as it relates to the environment, and so. Um, you know, all of our products are made with either recycled uh, paper, bamboo, or sugarcane. Uh, we've started uh, offsetting all of our carbon for our shipments from factory door to, to your door. Um, and we're constantly looking at ways that we can continue to improve our environmental impact. Be- beyond the environmental impact, though, we also realized that, that societally, we, we had some massive injustices in the world. I personally, before joining Who Gives a Crap, had spent a lot of time traveling the developing world, um, essentially working on um, design and innovation solutions to alleviate poverty. And in that time, I realized the power of the toilet. Uh, it's it's a, a funny thing that we don't really think very much about unless uh, unless like you you mentioned, we've got some clogged toilets. And by the way, this is a good time to um, to plug that our our products are septic safe and um, and flush friendly. Um, so you shouldn't have any problems with that with our product, even though it's three ply but coming back to the the problem of toilets in the world you know i traveled all over the world and had never really thought about toilets before but when you're traveling in some parts of the world you realize there are actually 2 billion people in the world who don't have access to even the most basic form of toilet and i i'm not talking about the fancy flush toilets or even the really amazing japanese toilets i'm talking about a very basic pit latrine and so you know when you when you think about that and what role we could play in it as a business we realized that there, there is a solution. Toilets are, are a proven solution that can deliver incredible health and wealth benefits, but it just wasn't being funded properly. There just wasn't enough funding going towards it. And so we set out to create a, a essentially an alternative source of funding that could scale with our business. And so we set out in the very beginning to donate 50% of our profits to help build toilets around the world. And that's why we've donated as much as we have today, which is about 6 million US dollars. Um, so really proud of that, but um, ultimately, we're committed to our big, hairy, audacious goal as a business, which is uh, to ensure that everyone on Earth has access to a toilet. Um, and that's, that, that statement is how we start every single company-wide meeting. It's at the beginning of all of our company planning documents. And we really do focus all of our efforts internally as a business on this long-term goal of ensuring everyone on Earth has access to a clean and, and safe toilet.
0: So then it seems that's the North Star that, that drives everything, and that's good. Of course, donating 50% of your profits to make that happen. Is amazing, especially when I consider what you told me at the top, which was that your co founders had been previously building nonprofits and had been struggling to grow them. So going right back into that decision while solving a problem that needed to be solved is a challenge, I would assume, when the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Let me ask about this next because anybody who looks at your LinkedIn profile, if they're looking up, they want to learn more about your story, they would see that you are the chief of product and of purpose. So here's where we're going to talk about purpose a little bit, all right? Because I talk to, like I said, I, you know, I cover this A word, so I talk to a lot of brand leaders. I hear so much about purpose. Sometimes I bring it up, sometimes it comes to me, and I, I seem to never exit an interview with a, with a chief marketing officer, with a founder, where they talk about their purpose. I think a lot of times, it is told on the interview, for the purposes of looking good, for PR purposes. I mean, frankly, how many brands can you think of that you know have horrible business practices that, you know, still want to talk about how how great they are, and how they serve the community. And you look at it with sort of a skeptic eye and you're like, really? Because you're kind of avoiding the elephant in the room. So they feel that need to get the word out to show how good they are. Uh, Obviously, you're putting your money where your mouth is, half of it. What do businesses really not talk about within this topic? I mean, is it the fact that they, is it impacts on their business? Is there, is there challenges? I mean, shouldn't they talk about that alongside with the good? I mean, let's talk about you guys, for example, like, isn't that a challenge to donate 50% of all your profits and remain a solid growing entity?
1: It is. Uh, and it's also not, um, you know, I think there's a, a point at which you have to resist the, um, the urge to do less because it's easier, um, and this is a good example. In the early days, I, I remember having conversations with Simon and uh, and saying, you know, wouldn't it just be easier if we just gave ten percent or twenty five percent? We'd have a little bit more left over at the end of the year to um, reinvest in growth. And you know, to be fair, in those early days, our, our first donation was twenty five hundred dollars. So even if we had changed it back then. Um, ultimately, it wouldn't have really changed the game for us. And, and he, he pushed me to think bigger and to really say, um, you know, actually, this is just the way business should be run. This is a model for how businesses could be run more sustainably and really help redistribute profits around the world. Um, and, and so I, I think we've taken a stand out of principle from the early days that we think this is just a really um, bold but plausible way of running a business. And we want others to copy that business model. But, you know, I think the, what's happened over the years is that it's, it's proven to not only be challenging, but actually really beneficial and worthwhile for us. Um, so if you, if you look at the, the, you know, our marketing costs, ultimately, the, the I guess, you, you know, you call it the authenticity. But for us, it's really about the relationship we have, we have with our customers. The relationship we have, we have with our customers is so incredibly strong because they know that we're authentic and that we know, they know that we're doing our best to make the world better both environmentally and socially, as well as with our relationships with our employees and our partners. Ultimately, I think it's it's that that impact and that focus on, on doing good that's driven us to have these incredible relationships with our customers, which ultimately drives down our acquisition costs, drives up our retention. And that's for us proof that this business model is working. And to be honest, I don't think we would be the same business or even the same scale or anywhere even near the scale we are now if we didn't have that 50% of profits donated. Um, so it's a pretty um, it's been a pretty interesting journey to go from really feeling it as a challenge in those early days to now really feeling it as a benefit in, in our current state.
0: Do you think maybe this is an obvious question then? I mean, do you think every business is eventually headed here? Take a portion of profits or I don't know, I'm guessing it's going to be profits and put it towards some cause. I mean, I guess... Look again. Some people do this already, and they—the reason why they do it—they spend an equal amount of money advertising it, you know, in mass media. Uh, do you think this is somewhere that every brand that's worth a damn is headed? You know, we, we are
1: hopeful that we can help prove the validity of this business model um, enough so that other businesses will copy us. Um, and so, in uh, you know, I give a presentation to all of our new employees about our impact and why we exist, and a bit of our history, and in that presentation i have a slide that says we want other businesses to copy us um and in the next year or two we're hoping that we can do more to talk about um what we've done well and what we haven't done well so that others you know upstart businesses can you know copy our our business constitution or uh learn from how we've selected partners or um you know learn about how to resist you know the challenges to to this business model over the years. So we are hopeful that other businesses copy it, but I don't know that it's the way that businesses um, will be in the future. I think just like there are many ways to be a good person, I think there are many ways to be a good company, Uh, whether it's donating a portion of profits or a portion of revenue, whether it's committing to um, major environmental improvements. I think there are a number of ways that a business can do good. And I think what customers are going to demand over time is that, businesses are just actively and authentically committed to making change and positive change. Um, And there are a number of ways that that will unfold. And I think that our business model will be one of them.
0: Let's talk about that next year or two and the relationship that you're building with consumer. Because I look back at 2020 and I think what was one of the few items that was never on the shelf, at least during this crazy (laughs) time, other than like Clorox wipes, it was toilet paper. My guess is that you saw a little bump from that. Now in the meantime, you've been able to build this relationship for a different reason other than the need for that product. So what are you looking forward to for, for 21 and 22 outside of the, the non-crisis demand for the offering?
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately this was a crazy year for, for everyone. And uh, as you can imagine, a pretty crazy year in the toilet paper business. Um, we did see unprecedented demand. We saw an absolutely incredible spike in sales earlier in the year where we were up about 1,100% um, on our normal daily sales. Um, and at one point, we even sold out for about six weeks and collected a, a, a essentially a, a sign-up list for uh, for people who wanted an update when we were back in stock. And, and we, at one point, we had over half a million people sign up for that, uh, for that waiting list. So it was a, a pretty crazy year, as you can imagine, producing as much toilet paper as we could and trying to get it to those who really needed it. Um, but, you know, as much as our business saw a boost this year... I think we'd give anything to have had a normal year instead, right? To have had a year where, um, where our customers and our employees and, and all the people we care about could have been out in, in public and you know safely and seen their families and friends. And so I think first and foremost, what I'm looking forward to in 2021 is hopefully the ability to sort of be with our family, friends, and the people we love safely. Um, and so that's a, a sort of soft, warm, and fuzzy answer to the to the question. Um, from a business perspective, what I'm looking forward to is um, that ultimately this past year has taught us that we're not just in the toilet paper business. Uh, when we were out of um, out of stock earlier in the year, the day we sold out in Australia was the first day that we put a full page ad in a in a major newspaper. And that was a pretty awesome experience. I mean, we, here we are, we actually didn't have a product to sell. And we took out an ad in a few major newspapers saying, sorry, we ran out of toilet paper. If you're, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a pinch, you can always use this newspaper. It's recycled too. Um, and it was it was a weird decision that we made because we didn't have any product to sell. And yet here we were making our most expensive media buy ever. And what we realized and what got us through the next couple of months was realizing that we actually aren't in the toilet paper business. Toilet paper is is something that we offer to our customers. We're actually in the delight business. We're actually in the business of helping our customers feel good about their decisions and make positive changes in the world. And that was really transformative for us and helped us, us sort of navigate those couple of months where we didn't have much inventory. And looking forward, I think it's really interesting to think, how can we continue to delight our customers in new ways? And how can we continue to help them make a positive impact on the world and with their purchases and with their decisions in a delightful way. And so looking forward to new products and new offerings in the next year or so. Um, and I think it'll be a really exciting um, change for us as a business to to see that we're, we're not just a toilet paper company anymore.
0: Let me round out with some advice. Now you've just said that in time you hope that other businesses steal your uh, ideas or borrow them or not sure exactly what you said, but use them, let's say, use them. Now you don't have that written yet, and uh, I'd like to leave the listeners with something. So instead, let me round out with the question I typically ask, which is going back to that A word. I'm looking for advice on how to have our listeners find their brand's personal truth, their version of authenticity. You've done it. Started out with building a flashy product and then having a, 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 this insane profit share and then in building the customers and leading to a culture of delight. But not everybody might have that. So I'm curious, um, where they might begin?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because for us, you know, when Simon had this original idea, I don't think he was particularly passionate about toilets. I think he knew he knew intellectually the health benefits of them, and he knew that he wanted to make a positive difference in the world. And this one just happened to be one that that fit with our initial product offering and made sense and had a funny funny you know association with it. And so he went with it. And so I don't think that. It, it's entirely necessary that everyone who's starting a business needs to have a purpose that is like a higher calling in life. What I think is important, though, is recognizing that without having some hire, some calling, without having some purpose beyond profit, ultimately, I think businesses are going to be at a disadvantage in the coming years. And so um, I, I think from my perspective, I am passionate about toilets. When I met Simon and Jehan at the time. I was leading the sanitation portfolio at an innovation organization and traveling the world designing toilet systems for for low-income communities around the world. And so for me, it is a matter of passion for toilets, but for, for others, it might not be. I think what's more important, though, is just this recognition that when you have a purpose, ultimately, it drives incredible customer loyalty. It drives incredible employee engagement. And people just want to know that their decisions of where to buy and where to work are making the world a better place. And so I would just pick something and commit to doing it. Um, And as as vague as that is, I think um, that's that's probably my advice there.
0: Well, it's probably something that folks have said. Well, duh, yeah, you do that. And then they like don't really they don't really focus enough on it. I wish I had Mm. some sort of like one pager or something that I could pass along to. Maybe I'll think about this personally and then. I'll write about it, and I'll say, "Hey, folks, I took, I took Danny's advice. This is what I did."
1: I think one thing that might be helpful there is there are a lot of companies that are timidly making, uh, making donations or timidly making commitments, but I think that's kind of missing the point, right? I think first of all, the the scale of the challenges we face as a, as a society and as a as a planet are are massive, and so timid solutions aren't really going to get us very far. It and secondarily, I think. If you are looking to get any benefit out of these commitments as a business, whether it's PR or increased retention of employees or increased retention or acquisition of customers, timidness is not really going to get you anywhere, It's right? It's just going to be an added line in your P&L that's kind of always dragging you down. And so from my perspective, make a bold commitment and stand by that bold commitment, and that bold commitment will pay off in time.
0: Bold commitments. Listeners, then maybe you do this. Maybe you go back to your home tonight or take a half an hour to yourself in your office and you think about maybe where you have timid statements or commitments that need to be emboldened listen to this again if you need to because this is an example of a brand that has done that and um with that i'm gonna roll out so uh thank you very much to uh to you danny for sharing your perspective here and for uh shining a light on as i said like a category that um maybe was in need of a bold commitment like this and much uh, luck to you this year and, uh, and seeing how much more delight you bring to your, uh, to your consumers. But for now, I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Really appreciate it.
0: There are just so many puns that I'd love to use. I'm not going to, but I've got plenty. I'll let you think of some yourself, but it was really great to hear this story. And thank you, Danny, for joining us. And thank you as well to the listener for listening in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Authentic Avenue. If you want to hear more, there's a few ways you can do that. Social media, of course, LinkedIn, Authentic Avenue. That's where our community is. We're about 200 strong. We're getting there. So I uh, welcome your joining that, subscribing and following along. Of course, we're available wherever podcasts are. AuthenticAvenueMedia.com slash podcast is where you'll find all of these together. And you can also write me, Adam at AuthenticAvenueMedia.com. I'm doing a lot in the world of teaching folks how to make their own podcasts specifically for brands and for a number of purposes. So if you're interested to learn more about that, I can certainly help out. But if you're just here to listen to more podcasts, well, you can do that. And until the next time I bring one to you, this is your host signing off. I'm Adam Connor, letting you know that until I get real again with you, Thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.